This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning, ABC. How are you all doing today? Enjoying the weather? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? If it's your first time here at ABC, we give you a really, really warm welcome. And if you've joined us online, thanks for taking the time in your busy world to join us. If you're running, driving, whatever you're doing right now, uh, thanks for tuning in. I don't know about you, but it happened this week. Did you all notice it? Did you all notice it? You couldn't have avoided it if you were tuning into the news today. This week, did you notice it? Boris! Boris is in number 10. Finally. <laughs> Finally, he's made it. And you know, I think whether all of us from whatever kind of party politics and background we come from, some of us are very apprehensive, some of us are very scared, some of us are wondering why. And it's been interesting, all the commentary that's been this week. Because very much like Mr. Trump... Mr. Johnson is one that seeks power over everything, isn't he? It's the, the media is clear on all this. He is clear on this. And our hope is that he will unify our nation. Amen? Yes. That he'll sort out this Brexit debacle and that we will be able to move on. Amen? Yes. Amen. So, you know, 1 Timothy 2 verse 2 tells us that we pray for those that are in authority. So I'm not trying to make any other political statement, good, bad, indifferent, or otherwise this morning. But please pray for Boris, that we will get some wisdom and harmony. But it got me thinking this week. It got me thinking about the hunger that's in lots of us for different things. To be ambitious and to seek different things in our lives. I don't know, reflect at the moment. What is it you seek for? What is it you're looking for? Maybe it's that little cottage on the hill that you can retire to. And all of what you're working in your life is to get to that little cottage. How many of you got that? Okay, nobody ever wanted a cottage on a hill. Or oh, some of you wanting that car in the showroom. I mean, she's talking to you right now. She's calling you, isn't she? Her cars are feminine. Like, like, like we, I know there's gender complexity in lots of different areas right now, but cars are feminine. They are. Can we agree? Great, great. I'm probably going to get told off later on by the petrol female heads that are in, in church here this morning. But she's calling you right now. Isn't she, girl? Isn't she, guys? Aye, she's calling you. She red or black? Black, okay. There we are. Is she fast or slow? Fast. Yes, amazing. But don't judge us, girls, because that outfit is calling you right now. Isn't it? Eh? You've seen it. You've looked at it. And it's, uh, I don't know, what, what shop's it on? Is it on H&M or ASOS or whatever it is? It's never Primark. It's, never, it's, it's always more expensive than that. And, and you're flicking through and you say, oh, I'll put it down. No, no, I don't need another dress. I don't need another. But it calls you, doesn't it? It calls you and you can't resist by click, submit, send. And it'll arrive. I'm talking about my family here, aren't I? <laughs> See, we all want our own way, don't we? Come on, be honest. We all want our own way. 
Because deep down inside, sorry to tell you this, we're all selfish. Sorry to tell you, if you came in here today and you're thinking, oh, that's not me. Oh, we're all selfish. You see, it's in our very brokenness to be self-centered and selfish and to do, as Frank used to sing, do it my way. Because my way is the best way, isn't it? I mean, it's the rest of them. And right now for Boris, as he finds himself in number 10, it's the rest of them that's the problem. Isn't it? We're all the same in life. We want it our way. And before you judge me, I've used this illustration before and I make no, uh, make no apology for using it again. You're all the same. We're all the same. We're all selfish. I'll tell you how I know that. Is when you see a picture of yourself posted on Facebook or so there's wedding photographs that comes out. Tell me when there's a group photograph, who do you look for in the picture first? Come on, be honest. <laughs> You look for yourself, don't you? You go, where am I? Where am I? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it gets worse than this. It gets worse than this. How do you decide if it's a good photograph or not? I mean, the person to your right could be like this, with one eye closed. Or the person on your left could be looking over there. But if you look good, it's a great photograph, isn't it? You post it everywhere, even though your mate looks like a Muppet in that picture. <laughs> Because at our core, we are self-centered and selfish. And where this message came from that is, is only about three weeks old, I've not been able to, maybe less than that, two weeks old, I've not been able to get it out of my mind. And it's been consuming my thoughts, which is why I've kind of pushed forward the sermon series that I want to preach and I want to bring this message today. And part of what sparked it off is my middle daughter, Fionn. You see, my daughter, Fionn, has discovered TED Talks on, on Netflix and on YouTube. And any of you watched a TED Talk about technology, education, and design? And she saw this TED Talk by a girl called Sarah Knight. And it was all about do things your way. Put yourself first. Stuff the rest of them. Do your own thing. In fact, it used, it used rather more offensive words than stuff everybody else. And she said, Dad, have a, have a look at this. I said, because I think, you know, excuse the language, Dad, but I think you might agree with a lot of what it says. And I disagreed with 90% of what it said. And the reason I disagree with 90%, and she's a millennial, forgive her, because she's been polluted by all of this thinking, and don't, let's not blame the millennials. It's our fault they're that way. Because our generation enabled it all. You're my princess. You can do nothing wrong. Oh, little Charlie, if you want to be prime minister, you can be prime minister. He can't string two words together. But we keep telling him he's going to be prime minister. And we like, I, yes, champion your kids, but be realistic. My father never told me I'd ever play for Wales in rugby. Just as well, because I never did. And sometimes we build all this stuff in our lives and the me first mindset putting ourselves first consumes our every waking moment in the culture we find ourselves today i mean we don't call it an asfi do we we call it a selfie that's how self-centered our generation has become because as long as i'm all right it's okay 
And you know, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. I mean, when I'm picking a text to frame my message this morning, I mean, where could I go? I could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, couldn't I? And I could talk about the, has God said that you must not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Has God said, where, like, where could I go? Well, I've decided to put us all in the mess this morning. Is that okay? Just to show that we are no different to anybody else. And the text I want to turn to can be found in Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read from verse 13 to 25. And as we get to verse 25, it's this phrase at the end that just jumped out at me. Let me explain to you why. So let me give you some background. As the, uh, Luke 22 verse 13 will be on uh, screen in a, a second. We'll follow it together. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow it on screen. But let me give you the background. In Judea at this time and in Jerusalem, it's a bit like Great Britain right now. There are two warring factions seeking for power in the middle of Jerusalem. It's like Brexit and Bremen, but in, a, in a, like a, a first century context. Let me explain. You see, the Roman Empire has descended upon Jerusalem, but at the same time, in order to keep peace in the land and the strength of the Jews, in order to kind of keep everything happy, there is a second, the priests and the temple and everything, they are in control of the city of Jerusalem of the high priests. And so there's this problem that happens with a guy called Jesus. Any of you heard of him? Because Jesus came and he broke the me first mindset. He broke selfishness. He said things like, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, but I say to you, love your enemy. Like, whoa! I mean, it's easy to love your neighbor, isn't it? But if your neighbor happens to be your enemy, well, that's another thing. But he says, love your enemy. And he turns the whole world upside down. He says, if you want to be first, you've got to put yourself. He says that our strength comes from when we are. Amazing, isn't it? Turns the world upside down. And there's a rumble in the jungle in Jerusalem going on right now. And so they come and they, 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 they want to silence Jesus because he's creating all kinds of problems and they don't like it. And the Jews don't know what to do with him and the Romans don't want to do with him. So he goes ping pong, does Jesus, between Herod and between Pilate. And they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He's innocent, he's innocent. I ain't going to take the car. No, no. They can find no fault in him because he's innocent. So we'll pick up at verse 13. Are you with me? They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And it continues. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Is this the right text? And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Pass Passover with... No, I don't think that's the text. I've, I've written it down long. Where's my uh, mobile device gone here so I can grab it because I bookmarked it? Yes, it is. It's got a timer on it. How much to go? Forgive me, I must have written it down incorrectly. Luke 22, sorry, Lee. The verse I want, let's go 25, uh, from verse 20, uh, to verse 24. It is the passage, but I've gone from the, the, the piece that's too long. 
And the phrase says this, but with loud shouts. Lord, let me go from verse 20. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they, this is the people, kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time. How many times? Yeah, this is not once. This is not twice. This is the third time. For the third time he spoke to them and said, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found him in no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. Verse 23. But with loud shouts. I, I, there's no such thing as a quiet shout. I don't get that. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. Brexit! Brexit! Remain! remain. Everyone's shouting and shouting, and, and all of it just brings disharmony, it brings disunity, when people put themselves first. And with loud shouts, they instantly demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He gave in. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. And it's that phrase that I want to pick up at the end of verse 25, and it just jumped out at me. They surrendered Jesus to their will. This is the one who we are supposed to be surrendered to, but instead they surrendered him to their will. To their will, to our will, because we want what we want. Whether it's that dress, whether it's that car, whether it's the cottage on the hill, we are consumed often by our own way and Jesus has to surrender to our will and the title of my message to you today is titled a bit of an irony and it'll go up on podcast I'm sure I'll have lots of people kind of complaining about the title but in order to be a bit of a parody this message this morning is called my will be done because that's our prayer often is it not we get on our knees because if God would just fix it my way, if God would just do that, that, and that, it, it, it would be so much easier if God just did it my way. And so we get on our knees and we pray instead of coming in humility and saying, thy will be done. We say, oh God, could you find it in your grace and favor to grant that my will be done. Is that the prayer we pray? Is that the prayer we pray? You see, if we pray that prayer, we become God ourselves. And we're consumed by all that's wrong in the world and our judgment is off. I tell you, I can't answer a lot of things that all of you have gone through, but all I know that God is King. And I know that he loves you and has a plan for your life. But if we continue to pray, my will be done, it will just lead to death and destruction as it did for Jesus. 
So I want to bring three things for you in closing that I want to look at uh, today. I want to talk about three things, but before we do that together, how many of you have seen the film Finding Nemo? And I love how when you watch the film Finding Nemo, that when you have to take the kids and buy the popcorn and do all of that, I love the fact that, you know, lots of these companies like Disney and others have now started to entertain the parents as well. And we love to go and see a Disney film ourselves. In fact, my kids are all grown up and we went to see Aladdin the other day. Couldn't wait to go and see Will Smith as Aladdin. But I love this part and it's a clip out of the film. You remember the seagulls? And remember what they chant? Have a look at this. Your rats with wings. Bloke's been looking for his boy Nemo. Nemo? He was taken off the reef by divers, and this guy. They're taking my, 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 Hey, hey, say that again. You just said something about Nemo. What was it? Mine. We can't laugh at that. But aren't we like seagulls? We go, mine, mine. Like the children that we encourage to share when they get older, when they say, mine. Or when they rush to the queue and they say, me first, me first, me first. We're all the same. So I want to give you three things this morning. But before I do that, what do you think the Bible has to say about loving yourself? Because, you see, the mine, mine, mine culture is predominant in our society today. Stuff everybody else. You do what you want. You be you. You express yourself in whatever way you want. Don't worry about everybody else. Don't worry if you're evading on everybody else's privacy. If you want to put your stereo on in the garden at 150 decibels, don't worry about the neighbor next door. You put yourself first. I mean, if you want to drive at 105 miles an hour down the motorway and break all the laws and don't worry about everybody else's safety, you, you just, you do you. That's what our culture is preaching about and speaking about. Sorry, not preaching about in churches, but uh, that's what their theology or their philosophy is teaching us. So what does the Bible say about loving yourself? Any answers? Because it's difficult to find one. Isn't it? In fact, the only time in my research, and email me later or Google me or Facebook me, message me later and come back to me if you can find it. But the only context that can be found of loving yourself can be found in the uh, verse in Mark 12 verse 31 where Jesus talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. That's the only context of it. Now, look, I know in the world of mental health that we're in at this moment in time, you should be kind to self and you should love yourself, okay? In that context, that's good and that's healthy to do that. But the Bible talks about the key to our mental health and the key to success in life is actually to love the Lord our God with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I want to talk about three things that the Bible teaches in this area and a very practical message that I've got for you today. You see, pride needs to be replaced with humility. 
the root of selfishness is pride. I want my own way. My opinion's better than yours. What do you mean I'm wrong? That's where the root of pride is. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. So what are we allowed to do? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 goes on to say, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Pride needs to be replaced with humility. Can we do that? Oh, but that's difficult to do, isn't it? It's really difficult to be humble. And sometimes we think that, you know, humility is putting ourselves down. It's not. Humility is understanding who you are in God. I'm a son of a king. I'm a son. I'm royalty today. I'm anointed. So I understand who I am. But I've been saved to serve. I've been blessed to be a blessing and all of his grace and all of his favor that's been bestowed upon me is not for me to strut around and say I'm better than anybody else. God forbid. Our, our, the grace has been bestowed upon us to make sure that we are in a position to be able to serve others because we're empowered by a love and a grace and a strength that's beyond human capability. How cool is that? How cool is that? In fact, C.S. Lewis says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I like that, do you? Yeah. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking about yourself less. Oh, poor old me. Sulking again, are we? What's happened? I'll tell you what's happened. Something didn't go your way. Someone has said something to you. Somebody's upset you. Somebody has oh, rubbed you up the wrong way. Well, like that's going to happen every 10 minutes with Boris in power. <laughs> Come on, I'm being real. He is deliberately there. His strategy is to wind everybody up. And there are loads of people. In fact, just the very statements that I say here today might wind you up. And we have got to be bigger than that. We have got to learn not to take offense. We have got to learn to be rational and in thinking. And we've got to say, yeah, okay. And we've got to move forward in humility by sometimes not holding our ground. So first thing, pride needs to be replaced with humility. Secondly, disunity needs to be replaced with unity. You see, James 3.16 says this, For wherever you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Oh, my word. So it's like cause and effect. It's like what Socrates discovered. He's saying here, look, that if you look for envy and selfish ambition, have a look around it at the office, in a family, wherever you are, have a look for envy and selfish ambition. There you'll find disorder and every evil practice. That's what he's saying. It brings disorder if we put ourselves first. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, A generous person 
will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Each of us, says Romans 15.2, each of us should please our neighbors for they are good and build them up. Wow. Build them up. Build up your neighbors. Build up your friends. Build up those people. Who's my neighbor? Everyone, says Jesus. We're there to build them up. Ephesians teaches us, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up your brother in the Lord. You see, we need to get rid of humi- uh, we need to get rid of pride and replace it with humility. We've got to get rid of disunity and replace it with unity. And thirdly, in closing, we need to just get rid of the root of the opposite of love itself. What's the opposite of love, everyone? Most of us think, somebody shouted out hate. Most of us think the opposite of love is hate. But it's not. The opposite of love is selfishness and pride. You see, we only hate because we're putting our opinion first, aren't we? I hate them. A racist only hates somebody of another culture or different color of skin because their skin's different to them. Somebody of another religion hates somebody from another religion because their faith is not the same as them. Because they are of the opinion that they are better than someone else. But the Bible teaches us, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Who gave up the splendor of heaven and humbled himself and became a man and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, how do we bring in unity? How do we bring in humility? And how do we bring in love to the world? Well, can I give you three simple things? In our walk this week, put yourself last. Just be last. Just wherever you find yourself, after you, when you get to the door, when you find yourself in the queue in Tesco and somebody's pushing in in front of you. I mean, I love doing this sometimes. Embarrass them and say, oh, no, no, you go in. I remember being once queuing to get onto a flight and somebody was going to put, this is the power of love and what it does. And somebody was looking to jump in. I was on a flight to Dublin and somebody was looking to jump in in the queue in front of me. And so I spoke the truth in love as the Bible commands. Do you know what that looks like? I say, yeah, no problem. You jump in in front of me. No problem at all. That's what I said to him. He said, oh, I wasn't jumping in. <laughs> I said, what, did you just ram? I said, yeah, no, no, it's, it's fine, I said. It's fine, you, you just go in. No, 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 I didn't realize there was a queue and he turned with his luggage. <laughs> Instead of, what could I have done? Be hateful and say, you're coming in here. Or like we do with our cars, isn't it? In the contraflow. When the two ladies become, what do you say? Come on. You're not getting in here, are you? Brian. <laughs> Brian at the back there is driving all the way to Spain this week. Oh, that's going to test his patience. 
I can see Victoria reminding him about this sermon as they go along. And Brian is just going to say, no, you jump in. You, you go first. You go first. Because I will put myself last. Watch how it changes your world today. Secondly, not just number one, be last, but secondly, bite your lip. Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? And sometimes you say to people, you've got to bite your lip, and we use it as a, a metaphor, don't we? But sometimes I think literally some people should actually bite their lips so they can't speak. Just get a good, you know, you want to say something that's not encouraging, that's not building your friend up, that's, that's a lot of it based on our opinion and who we are. Let it go. Let it go. Don't. Just let it go. It's not that deep. But in that moment, we think to ourselves, it's so deep, don't we? And we have like a big, strong opinion about something. We just, just, just let it go. Be last. Bite your lip. And my final encouragement to you, I get fed up of saying this, but I make no apology for saying it. Be nice. Just be nice. Smile, everyone. Come on, crack one out for me today. Come on, smile. Go on, force yourself now. Smile. Does that make you feel better? Maybe not. You're thinking of dinner. And we've got to be going. And boy, is it hot in here. But you know what? Can I just leave you with words of encouragement? Try these things in your life. To be last. To bite your lip. And to be nice. Because I tell you what. If you want to see a model of what that life really looks like, Go read the remaining chapters of the text that we read. Like a lamb before the shearers is done, so he opened not his mouth. And the ultimate example for me of grace and kindness and being last and being nice and biting your lip can be seen by Jesus on the cross. Where one person turns to him and says to him, You're the king, you save yourself. What does Jesus say? Nothing. And this guy on the other side of the cross turns to him and says, You're Jesus. And Jesus turns around and instead of offering wrath to one when he could have, he bit his lip. And he was kind to the other and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. So whether we're shopping, whether we're in the car showroom, whether we find ourselves looking for that cottage on the hill, or wherever we find ourselves having political discussions with people in the weeks and months that lie ahead, let's just be kind. Let's just bite our lip and let's put ourselves last. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.